Hello, testing, testing, yep, correct microphone again, sorry about that. Paul Scott here, UK small caps commentator, investor and writer of the Small Cap Valley reports on Stockopedia.com for the last 11 years. Welcome to my weekend podcast, it's Saturday 5th of August 2023. I'm writing this, uh, sorry, recording this a bit later than usual because I've been, I've spent six and a half hours in the car today driving back from a lovely week-long uh, drizzle tourism holiday in Blakeney, in uh, right on the coast of North Norfolk. Um, a family friend very kindly uh, invited us to use their hol- beautiful holiday cottage, which turned out to be absolutely sumptuous. And we've just had a lovely time with my brother and his family and their dogs and my 86-year-old mother, who turned out actually managed to do more than 10,000 steps one day. So mum's got reserves of energy that she didn't know she had. (laughs) So that was rather lovely. Anyway, it was over six and a half hours in the car driving back today. So I'm starting to work my way through a fridge pack of Madri Exceptionnel beers. Um, So I might get slightly slurred. Uh, later in this podcast but anyway let's crack on with it i'm only going to do one today just the individual companies not um not a macro ones i haven't really been keeping much track of the macro but uh because i've been on holiday semi-holiday so roland very kindly stood in for me on monday tuesday wednesday thanks roland you did a great job as always um and then i wrote thursday and friday's reports graham helped me on thursday so um so but i kept an eye on everything you know even though i was on holiday and um looked at a few companies myself which i'll comment on later so looking at monday then graham and roland looked at at six companies marshall's this is the building products thing that put out another profit warning uh, now it only dropped 10 percent to £2.48. I don't know quite why it is that when Marshalls warns on profit, it doesn't seem to hit the share price in the way that it does for many other companies. Um, the market cap is £630 million. Now, Roland looked at it and he pointed out that debt is becoming an increasing priority for management now because they made a rather large and, uh, with hindsight, ill-timed acquisition I've commented myself on Marshalls before in the Small Cap Value reports. I agree with what Roland said. He just says he thinks it's best to to stay on the sidelines for now. And looking at the latest stock report, which would include, I think, broker changes, the forward PE. Yeah, no, they haven't dropped much, the broker forecast. So it looks like a very mild profit warning. So maybe a 10% drop is is justified. Uh, Forward PE of 13 times. Well, it's not really cheap considering it's got quite a bit of debt. So, I, yeah, I think we'll stay on the sidelines with Marshall. Now, Graham looked at Duke, which is Duke Royalty. Um, bit of an unusual business model, not one I've looked at myself in a lot of detail. Anyway, Graham quite, quite likes it, so have a look at that. It, it uh, announced a new royalty agreement. What's this one? Uh, oh, Roland looked at Surface Transforms. This is the ceramic brake uh innovative company that's been around for about 20 years on the stock market always jammed tomorrow well it's in the last couple of years it's really come up with the goods in terms of orders um, but it's in the process of trying to turn orders into revenues and ramping up production of what must be a pretty complex complex product so these sorts of scale-ups are not easy to do i think um, anyway it's 88 million market cap 
Obviously, it's got some massive orders in the pipeline, so that's really, really good. So Roland says, pretty balanced view here. He's saying it's making progress ramping up production, but still loss-making. And Roland reckons it might need another fundraise. So he's um, amber, amber red on that, which means slightly leaning towards a slightly negative view. Remember we're writing these reports from a value investor point of view. So not not it we're not we're not bullish growth investors. So we'll naturally be cautious if a company looks like it might need to raise more money. Now Graham looked at one called Cortex uh QTX. This is a telematics business that I very much like. I've followed it for years. Met the old management, great guy and his son at an investor conference and we had a, a few jolly beers in the Westminster Arms um, good people I think, good business um, nice profit margin very cash generative, unusually for a small tech company um, my only reservations with Cortex in the past have been that it's not really generating any actual growth, you know, profit growth the new subscribers tend to be offset by price erosion and customer attrition of existing customers and uh, Roland um, weighs that up himself mentions those three points but Roland actually concludes moderately positively moderately positively amber green now I actually looked at it myself independently on Monday as well and I've noted here on my pad that growth has resumed at Cortex and the forward PE of 18.5 and a 4.5% dividend yield um, are actually looking quite attractive compared with the historic valuation on this share, which I think has been too high. And if you look at the chart, it's come down quite a lot. So I th- I reckon Cortex might be worth a fresh look. You know, maybe maybe it's coming into buying range. I don't know. Still looks a bit pricey, but um, not a bad business. And if these overseas expansions that it's undertaking, France seems to be. Um, growing quite nicely so I think I think that's potentially interesting Cortic have a, we're not saying we're particularly positive on it but we're just saying have a fresh look it might be uh, make up your own mind finally uh, a couple that really don't particularly float anybody's boat on the SCVR team Somebody, I can't remember who it was, Graham or, or Roland, looked at Flowtech Fluid Power, down 18% on a profit warning. Never really been particularly impressed by this thing. They do, um, it's a distributor for all sorts of components, for hydraulics, um, parts, for, you know, diggers and equipment, you know, very, very wide range. Um, and um, I don't know, it seems to be a bit accident prone. I, th- I believe there's new management there, so something may happen, but I don't think any of us can really get excited about it. Why would you put money into that as opposed to anything else? I don't know. And uh, in a similar vein, Venture Life, up 4% to 35p, uh, trading in line. Graham looked at this, but he says it might be cheap, but that could be for good reasons. I've never seen anything in particularly interesting in Venture Life myself. Now, there were a couple of others on Monday that I looked at informally, so I didn't write any reports on the day, but I have a, had a quick look at them. I thought I'd share that with you now. National World put out interims. This is the news, the smaller newspaper group. It's like uh, a mini version of Reach, um, but without the pension deficit or the debt. So um, it's quite interesting. 50 million market cap, very, very experienced management at National World as well. So I get the the bull points on that. The only thing, uh, now, in line with uh, expectations announcement it put out, interim results, what I would say is that I didn't like the way they refer to their core newspaper business as heritage assets. 
Um, that slightly reinforces the fact that... Um, sorry, the sun's just getting in my eyes. It just, it just reinforces the fact that it's a bit of a cigar butt business, isn't it? And you're hoping for it to do something clever with the cash pile, which is £21 million pounds, um, net cash. So that's 40% of the market cap. Um, they, as I say, the, cl- the accounts are very clean versus reach. It doesn't have any, any legacy issues on the, the balance sheet. Experience management, 20 million net tangible asset value. But that's f- com- compared to 50 million market cap. Um, profits were also well down in H1 on prior year. So I can see that people what, what people might uh, imagine to be upside in that. But there's not enough there to get me excited when I can buy really great quality growing businesses at, at low prices right now i can't see any particular reason to get involved in national world personally now also another one they didn't look at was gately gately holdings gtly this is one of the um legal services businesses a flurry of them all listed at the same time a few years ago and a lot of them have gone disastrously wrong but gately actually has done okay. Um, it's still about 50% up from it when it listed in, I think, late 2015. Um, it's paying a good dividend yield, 6.3%. The forward PE at Gately is 105 So I wouldn't rule this one out. I think some of these legal services businesses uh, have, have stood the, te- the test of time, and Gately looks uh, like one of them. Whereas you've had things like RBG Holdings, which have absolutely created then you also had that one dwf which surprisingly got a uh, takeover bid recently so i just don't know about this legal services sector whether we should be looking at it or not i think you know within within um that sector there could be some bargains so it's worth taking a look i think but quite difficult to value these things other things that were reported on monday podpoint Interim's absolute disaster, this company. I wouldn't go near it, almost at any price. Uh, It just does not have a viable business model. I've talked about this a lot before, so I won't repeat that. I had a look in in Genta, £17 million, uh, reported a trading update on Monday. Looks okay. Um, a, A very small, but seems to be usually profitable business. That might be worth a look. Epwin Building Products, um, 98 million market cap, put out an inline trading update. I've had a look at that uh, very quickly just now. And I think, again, I wouldn't rule it out by any means as one of these things that obviously is struggling a bit at the moment, but not particularly struggling, actually, looking at it. But forecasts have been edged down. There's got to be a risk of a profit warning, hasn't there? These building products companies are not um, flavour of the month at the moment. But you've got a forward PE of 7.2 and a forward dividend yield of 7%. So I think if Epwin manages to um, get through this uh, current downturn without a profit warning, that could be quite nice. I don't know. So, again, not one I would rule out um, as a cyclical recovery type of share, possibly. Right, on to Tuesday, 1st of August. Uh, Roland and Graham looked at four companies, and they quite like three of them. So see Tuesday's report for that. I don't really want to comment on any any of those three. Um, Although one I will comment on is... Oh, so the companies were International Personal Finance, NWF, and 
B-A-G, which is A-G bar. Now, one they did look at, which has intrigued me actually this year, is Journeo, ticker J-N-E-O. This used to be 21st century um, a CCTV company, but it seems to have made some quite astute acquisition or acquisitions under new management. Um which almost looked too good to be true in terms of the price they paid for uh, the uh, a really profitable acquisition. So I thought that one actually does look quite interesting. And the shares have done very well. I know we got quite a noisy fan club for this one, for Janeo, on the uh, Stockopedia subscriber base. And they've done well on it so far, so well done. Up 7% to £1.93, £32 million market cap. Now, this was a good update, trading update ahead of expectations. Now, Roland has gone through it all, and he has flagged up some some uh, reservations, but I think um, so he's concluded amber on that one. Uh, I haven't looked at it myself, but I did look at some other companies myself. Um, <clears throat> actually, off the list of things that uh, Graham and Roland didn't cover, nearly all of them they've marked against it in line with expectations. So obviously, if it's just in line, nothing's different to what was expected, then we we we... We won't really generally report on it unless there's something particularly, uh, some particular angle on it. So companies that, that were just in line with expectations on Tuesday were XPP Power, interims in line, Metro Bank, uh, interims, oh, they haven't said next to that whether that's in line or not, Keller, interims, £622 million market cap in line, Victoria, the carpets thing, £755 million market cap, trading update, that's in line. I've looked at that a lot in the past myself. Not too keen on the accounts there, actually, and the debt. Um, I don't know. It's it's too complicated. Um, Ricardo, an interesting, um, what do you call it, consulting business that we've lo- looked at a few times, actually. We did flag that right at the bottom when it was very cheap, and it rebounded a lot. That's put out a trading update. That's in line. Uh, Sutton Harbour Group is too small, 24 million market cap, so we didn't look at that. James Halstead, another floorings thing, uh, trading update, 882 million market cap, that was in line. Uh, Engage XR, 17 million market cap, trading update in line. I have looked at that myself, I'm not at all convinced by it, but we'll see. Um, Filtronic, I saw some stuff on that, finals, 38 million market cap. And now Starfline, I did look at myself. That put out interims, 42 million market cap. That's all. That one's really, really disappointed in recent years. Almost went bust and had to have at least one, I think, rescue refinancing. That put out inline interims. Now, I'm not keen on this. It announced a £4 million share buyback. So that's about 10% of the share capital. But they're going to fund it through debt. Now, companies should not be doing share buybacks um, through debt, it uh, it sounded to me like they were just Starfly was just trying to ramp the the share price. They've announced some new contracts. Um, the H one results were only trading in line. Now they talk about um, operating profit, underlying op- operating profit of two point four million, but the trouble is that's meaningless because the finance charge is two point five million. So it's not making any uh, adjusted profit before tax at all. Um, it's really just trading at break-even. It's got um, pre-IFRS 16 net debt. There's only £3.5 million, which has come down a lot. But if you look at the balance sheet, it's got humongous receivables of £123 million, and it's using re- receivables financing against that, which, of course, costs money. You pay interest charges for that. Um, and it's only got £2.5 net tangible asset value. 
So this thing, in a way, is a bank for its for its customers, giving them sixty days credit, and um, Starfline then has to pay the interest cost on that. So I just don't think it's a very good business model at all. Now it does benefit from having an interest rate cap in place on the debt, which is good. Outlook comments: Starfline is expecting a better H two. It's reduce uh, reducing costs and it's closing. Um, is it called People Plus Division or part of it? No, in, no interim divvy. Um, now they've cancelled the premium on the share, the share premium account rather the deficit, so they can st- on the, from twentieth of July. So it could start paying dividends. Obviously, it's doing this ten percent share buyback, um, but I don't think it's generating the, the genuine cash flow to pay dividends or do buybacks. I suspect what's happening here at Starfline is you've got two big shareholders. One in particular, a Hong Kong outfit, paid way, way, way too much for the shares. They got it completely wrong, unfortunately. So bad luck to them. Maybe they're pushing for management to just do something to try and create some shareholder value. Um, maybe they'll buy it out, buy the rest of it for 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 um, loose change, really. So you could get a takeover bid um, uh, received by Starfline, I think. So it's interesting in in that respect, maybe as a trade, but certainly as an investment, I don't think there's any merit to it at all. I just think it's a pretty low-quality business, actually. Some other snippets I picked up, these were not in the small cap value reports, but Beaks Financial Cloud, which I have held myself for several years, it's one of my core holdings. I noticed that Octopus are reducing from 4.5% to 3.9%, so there might be an overhang there. That's a very relevant point at the moment. You know, these funds who are maybe having to fund redemptions haven't got the liquidity to, to sell positions in the market, so they just dribble out shares, you know, when a buyer appears, which could well be why a lot of small caps, you know, are putting out quite good updates, but the share price remains um, in the doldrums, probably because you've got institutional overhangs of shares. Well, that only lasts for so long. At some point, that'll clear. And I think it's uh, it's a buying opportunity, maybe. Greg's put out uh, results. That's a mid cap. Um, plus 16% like for likes for H1. There was a, an element of that very impressive uh, growth there. Um, now they're saying uh, they're saying that some of that was due to the um, lagged uh, you know year on year effect of Omicron the year before. Now they're talking about like for like cost inflation. Obviously, food ingredients was 11% in H1, expected to fall to 7% in H2. They're moving to larger sites and better locations. Greg's are um, definitely one of the one of the winners on the high street. Very very nice business, no doubt about that. I think the valuation's too high. I look at it and I just think, why would I want to pay twenty two, twenty three times for the business? Even though, yes, I know it's a good business. It's too expensive. Um, what else have we got? Oh, just some data from the British Retail Consortium. Retail prices actually fell 0.1% in July from an annual rate of 8.4% to 7.6%. So a little bit of evidence there that inflation is coming down. The BRC also said that food price inflation is now 13.4% and it peaked at 20.8%. So again, coming down rather frustratingly slowly, um, but inflation is coming down. Right on to Wednesday, the 2nd of August, 2023. Again, this was Roland and Graham, so I don't want to talk for them, really, so I'm only regurgitating what they've actually written in the report. Now, very good news. Well, no, OK, reasonably good news for 
shareholders in Blanco Technology, a recommended cash offer at £2.23. This is the company that deletes uh, data from second-hand computers, um, which uh, actually the numbers started to look quite reasonable for this in the last year or so. And I, um, I flagged on the 3rd of July that I thought this might be um, worth a closer look if you think growth can continue, when it gave an above-market-expectations update on 3rd of July. We'd pre- previously been pretty sceptical about, about Blanco Tech, but to be fair to it, it did start to... It was report, it's been reporting much better performance this year, and obviously we change our mind if uh, if the facts change. So I went from red to amber on Blanco um, a little while ago. Anyway, this bid is a 25% premium. It's an agreed cash bid, so not really a huge premium, was it worth investing in something if there was only a 25% upside on it? Mm, not really, I'd say. Uh, the bidder is US private equity firm Francisco Partners. So there you go. Well, well done to holders. I mean, it does present a liquidity event, of course, for all those institutions who are just high and dry in most small caps right now due to lack of market liquidity. So um, that gives them, the institutions, some cash to redeploy buying other small caps. So uh, when they've paid their redemptions out, and of course the redemptions are going to stop at some point. So um, I think every takeover bid is a step in the right direction in terms of improving small cap market liquidity, in my opinion. Uh, What else do they look at? Oh, um... Property Franchise Group, TPFG. This is one of the two uh, lettings agencies, the other one being Belvoir, which I like, BLV. Um, <clears throat> pretty similar, I think, actually. Um, they they do lettings businesses on a franchise basis. The offices are franchised. Uh, £89 million market cap. Its H1 update looks in line with expectations. Graham um, has a look at that. He thinks it's excellent value. I don't recall ever personally looking much at TPFG. I've tended to focus on Belvoir, which I like a lot, and Graham looks at TPFG. So uh, much of a muchness, maybe. Now, the brick manufacturers are interesting, I think. IB... What's this one? IBST. Ibstock. This is valued at £618 million. It rose 5% to £1.60 on H1 results. This is the UK's largest brick manufacturer, and who looked at this one? Roland looked at this. He said uh, it's trading in line, but some caution about the outlook, as you'd expect, wouldn't you, since private sector new house building is sharply lower. I think it's about 20% down um, anticipated for, for the rest of this year. So everybody, this is all publicly available information that everybody already knows. So we know the, the brick companies are probably going to struggle a bit in some ways. Um but they're saying public sector and uh, repair maintenance and improvement side of the market is still okay. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a very interesting sector right now because the prices are so bombed out. I've actually bought bought some Brickability, B-R-C-K, myself in recent weeks. I think that one looks... I actually bought them after um, a management webinar where they asked, uh, answered some tough questions, two of which were from me. <laughs> and uh, it was good that they addressed the questions. You know, they weren't filtered out. And they gave very, I think, I thought, very good answers to my questions. So that convinced me to uh, make uh, uh, the usual rookie mistake, which is to buy shares during and immediately after um, um, uh, an online webinar. 
which uh, is quite often a mistake. But there we go. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it uh, a little while brickability. I think it's pretty good. Doesn't have the asset backing though that the uh, manufacturers like Ibstock have got. Now Ibstock is the one that's also invested quite a bit in new ma- manufacturing facilities in the UK, and I think I, I believe there's some argument whereby they're looking to replace imports by manufacturing in the UK because the customers want UK manufactured uh, bricks. But anyway, I just think it's generally an interesting sector. Uh, Roland sees some value despite uh, macro, obvious macro risks. That's why the shares are cheap, aren't they, in the whole sector. So um, what else? XP Power. So some of these were companies that reported the previous day. Who looked at that one? Um, Roland, he says he's a little bit worried about the debt, but thinks there's a possible turnaround there. Might be worth a look. System One, this tiny little thing. Um, I can't. Graham, uh, Graham's a bit sceptical, wants to see meaning, meaningful profits before coming off the fence. Uh, I've looked at that a few times, and I think some other shares bloggers who I uh, rate um discussed this on one of their podcasts and it was quite interesting can't make up my mind about system one but it's only 23 million market cap and it's got six million in cash so you've got that that cash protection there might be interesting to keep an eye on that one i've i've always thought it looked a bit interesting but never seemed to really get into making sustainable profits they seem to be one-offs finally on uh what was it wednesday um James Halstead, this is 908 million market cap, um, a positive sounding trading update. Now, a really interesting point that came out of this one is that it, 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 um, it makes specialist vinyl flooring, makes really, really lovely, big profit margins, great return on capital, looks a really good quality business, but you have to pay up for it, even at £2.10, which is down quite a bit from the level of it, it sort of settled that in the last few years. Um, it's still a, a PE in the low 20s. But this is what uh, piqued my interest. Roland looked at it and he flagged up that they said that the UK joining the CPTPP trade deal, which is this... Um, oh, I don't really know anything about it, but it's it's the um, Asia-Pacific trade deal, um, which seems to be a sort of mini-EU uh, but based in Asia, to sort of strengthen countries in competing against China, I believe. And um, anyway, James Halstead is saying that this is good news and that this should reduce import tariffs that it faces selling into some overseas, overseas markets. So I thought that was very interesting. And let's see if any more companies um, refer to see. Oh, they could have picked an easier name, couldn't they? CPTPP. Let's see if any other companies um, flag that up. The only new company that the the chaps didn't cover on Wednesday was REA Holdings, but that was only 25 million market cap. And the other items on the list were all backlog items that I mentioned um, yesterday. OK, let's get on to Thursday the 3rd of August 2023. Now, I should warn podcast listeners here that uh, <coughs> I've just um, got started on my third tinny and my Australian friend Bryce calls me a two-pot screamer. So uh, <laughs> I might start to chuckle and uh, giggle and slur slightly. So let's see if we can get this done before I become um, inebriated. Right, 
3rd of August, Thursday, Belvoir. I was talking about that a moment ago with regard to its competitor. Now, this put out a buoyant, uh, sorry, a trading update that said the buoyant lettings market is offsetting weakness in, in residential property sales. Confident in the financial year 12 2023 forecasts. It's valued at a P of 10 and a 5% dividend yield. I've been really uh, positive about this share for a long time. I think it's an excellent company. I think it's very good value. And I think that that remains the case. So it's oscillated between about £1.60 and £2 um, this year. It's now towards the top end of that. I think it's it should be fine. If you just take a medium long-term view on this, it should be fine. So the letting side of the business is the main income earner. Therefore... If the residential property market sales, you know, are obviously very depressed at the moment, aren't they? If that does crap out even further, it shouldn't really affect Belvoir that much at all. So, yeah, I remain as a nice, solid value stroke growth at reasonable price, GARP share. I think uh, Belvoir is standing up to tough market conditions as well as scrutiny. Next off, uh, ZAR, X-A-R. This is the... Printheads thing that's been going for donkey's years that had an amazing multi-bagger surge on the supplying uh, printheads for the Chinese tile printing market years ago, which has, has sort of uh, that's dried up. So the um, anyway, Graham looked at it down three percent to one pound eighty. Now <clears throat> I know Richard Crow and some various other people I respect have been saying there's a good bull case on this share in terms of new products and the potential for it and takeover target that's all well and good but that's not really what we're looking at in the stockopedia small cap value reports what we're looking at is just literally the numbers um, not uh, you know we'll leave it up to you to decide what the future prospects of the business are so i don't want to fall out with friends over this by saying that we're negative on it we're not we're just saying look as things stand at the moment based on the um current figures that the company is reporting we don't think that supports the market cap at the moment so uh, you know which won't be won't be news to bulls on the share they'll know full well that they're investing because they think the figures are going to improve in the future so we're a bit skeptical on czar um and also graham flagged that they seem to be burning through the cash and that is a concern so Overall, we're amber on it, so we're neither positive nor negative. We just want to mention, um, you know, some of those points. Now, I looked at Maintel. I won't dwell on this because it's only 28 million market cap. Now, it rose 9% to £1.96, a good H1 trading update. It does some sort of, I don't know, IT services business, very small. The the reason I'm... um, slightly negative on Maintel is because the balance sheet is really bad. Heavily negative net tangible asset value and excessive debt. So the shares have already doubled. So what I'm saying is I think, you know, look, do check out the balance sheet and weigh it all up. I think I think the upside's in the price now, so I'd be I'd be top slicing into that doubling of the share price if I held. Now I'm gonna absolutely deluge you with mystery shares here. The first one, there's three of them on, on Thursday's report. The first one is a company that issued um, 
an inline with expectations update uh, on Thursday, the 3rd of August, but the share price actually fell. It had had a, a nice rally recently. I think it's really, really cheap. It's a share I've mentioned a lot in the past, um, so you'll know the company if you're a regular. But anyway, have a look at Thursday's report for that. I think that's very, very cheap. I'll do another mystery share. This is actually one of Graham's on Thursdays. I had a look at it myself after reading his section, and I thought, oh, this does look interesting. Again, it looks really good value. So that one is a second mystery share for Thursday's small cap value report. One that almost made it to a mystery share, actually, but I don't think I will make it one on balance, is Mears Group. We've reported very favourably on Mears Group, M-E-R. Now, this put out interims that I looked at on Thursday. Uh, good figures, very good figures. I think it looks uh, a really good company with a long-term track record. It's had a good surge in share price, about 30% recently. I think that's fully justified. Now, one of the readers did flag up that Mears apparently is benefiting from lucrative contracts to provide housing for so-called, quote, asylum seekers. Uh, and Mears is doing well from that. Now, <clears throat> you've got two ways of looking at that, haven't you? It's either um, steering around the politics of it all, as, as we try to. You could say that's either a one-off um, short-term factor, or you could say doesn't look like anything's really going to happen, is it? Uh, since since the government is hopelessly flailing around trying to send people to Rwanda and nothing actually happening on that front. So um, it's probably going to remain lucrative to house uh, the people that come over in the dinghies, isn't it? Um, Amirs are doing well on that. So P of 10 or whatever it is, shares could well be cheap. So I think Mears looks very good. Finally, I looked at, I'm not going to make this a mystery share, but I'll make it an almost mystery share, is Facilities by ADF. This rose 1% to 45p. It's only 36 million market cap. Now this provides the uh, large sort of articulated lorries with trailers on the back that provide uh, dressing rooms, accommodation, catering facilities and etc. for the TV and film industry, which is an unsung hero of the UK economy at the moment, actually. But obviously it's been impacted, as you would expect, by the Hollywood uh, strikes which are beginning to affect it. Now, it beautifully finessed uh, this H1 trading update, making it sound, you know, quite quite uh, upbeat, but it was a profit warning. So obviously they've been impacted by um, these external factors. But as they're saying, uh, it could all rebound from pent-up demand in 2024. So if you like bus- buying fundamentally sound businesses at low points in the cycle when they've been hit uh, by factors outside their control then adf might be worth a look i think it's intriguing so yeah have a look at that one if you fancy it what else have we got um the only company that we didn't the only two companies we didn't cover on thursday that were on the list first one was creo medical c-r-e-o now that put out an h1 trading update i have i got a little bit excited about this one earlier this year when um Paul from Amati, the fund manager Amati, gave a very good case for Creo Medicals, innovative and apparently very, very worthwhile medical instruments, which are now moving into the uh, commercialisation stage. They've been proven. And I did actually pick up a few um, for a little starter size position, but then I went cold on it. And I think you can't also... So I sold them a little while ago. I think you can't really... You can't really adopt other people's conviction on a share, I find. And often when I buy after 
listening to a podcast or, or, or reading an article on something, you know, my attention wanes after a few weeks or days. <laughs> so anyway, I was only a very brief uh, holder of, of Creo Medical. I do think it's interesting, but maybe just a little bit too speculative at this stage. And it did refinance recently, so it doesn't need cash. 117 million market caps, quite a lot. So I remain of the view that Creo Medical looks very interesting. Also, there's the issue that nearly all of its turnover is from some sort of legacy consumables business, which I haven't really researched. So the problem with that is that what they call the core product is actually negligible revenues. So as the core product grows, the total revenues will hardly change at all, which is a bit of an issue that people might want to have a think about. So anyway, Creo, potentially interesting, but I think at this stage, I'll, while we're in a bear market, I'll watch from the sidelines, maybe nip in a, uh, you know, and buy back in if, it, uh, if market conditions become uh, more bullish. And the other one we didn't get around to looking at was CMO, which is one of these uh, crapped-out um, online e-commerce businesses that floated and seems to have disappointed, as many of them have. Right, on to Friday, if I can finish off the week. I think we're going to get through this whilst I'm still coherent. So, I, as usual, I did uh, Friday's report on my own. Only three companies reporting, actually, so nice and quiet. I did all three. Not too demanding. First one, XPF. This is a company called XP Factory. Now, I declare um, um, a personal position here. I've had a fairly uh, for a significant amount of time now. I've had a quite a, for me, quite a relative in my portfolio, quite a big position in it. I think it's currently my largest holding just with Sosandar being, I think, number two. I've moved things around quite a bit recently because I've been um, doing some shorter-term, more speculative trades on things like Wandisco, which has worked out quite nicely uh, in the end. Not words I expected to say, but uh, there we are. I've I've banked my profit on most of those now because I think... um, the first sort of boost of it doubling from fifth, more than doubling actually from the placing price of 50p to a peak of about 120. Uh, I didn't catch the peak, but I was top slicing towards the top end of that, as I uh, as I mentioned, I planned on doing, and I've I've sliced most of them now. So one disc goes down to only about less than a third of my um, original enlarged position. So that's worked well. So that gave me some proceeds to reinvest into other things. So I've topped up positions in Volex, um, MS International, which I think is very, very good. That's been growing on me. I bought some Cohort. I'm just trying to think what else I've been topping up. So I've mainly been adding to existing positions. Um, And anyway, more by... uh, because other positions have, have, have reduced a bit, XP Factories ended up my biggest current holding. And I'm, I'm really happy with that. I think taking a one, two, maybe three-year view, I think this should be a multi-bagger. I could see this being two, three, four times the current level. Um, I don't see any particular reason for XP Factory to re-rate right now. Um, although the trading update it came out with, I thought was pretty reassuring. It's changing the year end from 31st of December to 31st of March, which makes complete sense to me. You don't want to be doing stock takes right at your peak time of year on 31st of December. So a hospitality bars business shouldn't have a 31st of December year end. So that makes complete sense, changing it to 31st of March. It buggers up the figures, obviously, because you have a 15-month period. But you just have to remember that and take into into account when you're looking at um, tables of future results. 
Anyway, I've moved down from green to amber green on XP Factory, uh, not because I have any less uh, bullishness about the, the share, but because it was only an inline update. The main part of the business is Boom Battle Bars, which I think are really, really good, and it's a great format. Not unique, there are other experiential leisure operators who are also expanding, but it's taking a chunk out of the business that uh, conventional bars um, are, uh, you know, maybe suffering a bit due to this. This uh, experiential leisure is a very, very interesting, um, up to you know, niche. Uh, uh, that I think I want to be invested in. An XP factory is really the only one available. It's 30 million market cap. It's got cash in the bank of about 3.6 million. Cash, I wouldn't say is tight, but it's not it's not ample. I think if they want to... But they're still doing six new sites in um, 2023. And the sites are big. They're about ten to 15,000 square feet, I think, typically. Um, and the landlord's contributions, the reverse premiums, cover most of the fit-out cost. And because they're a listed company, they're right at the top um, of getting some really, really good sites. So I think this is an opportunity with XP Factory, as I say. Really great management here. Anyway, but as I say, it was only an in-line with expectations update. I was kind of hoping for a, a beat, but, um, you know, given current macro, we can't be greedy, can we, or expect miracles. Anyway, have a look at that for... I wouldn't say it's higher risk, actually. It's because it's got cash in the bank. And it's now... Um, what was the broker? The house broker Singers, I think, is saying... Um, they've they've confirmed their figures for 2023. Um, because so many new sites were opened in a, in a rush in late 2022. You just have to ignore the uh, historic numbers. Anyway, I think in a bull market, XP Factory could be a lot more valuable. So I think it's very, very good. Have a look at it. So cars, then C-A-R-R, that issued a profit warning, I think this was. Yes, it was. Now, they've lowered um, guidance from a 10 million operating, uh, adjusted PPT profit from 10 million to 8 million. But they've done that for the year ending August 2023. So right at the, almost at the end of the financial year, they shouldn't be revising guidance down from 10 million to 8 million. That, to me says that the previous guidance was too optimistic. You know, you want companies that are going to meet or beat, not companies that are going to warn on, warn on profits right at the end of the year because the FD was uh, was too optimistic. And so they should have some, you know, should have some, some bottom drawer balance sheet accounts with some provisions in that you can release to um, smooth over this type of thing. That's what all good FDs do. I did it myself when I was an FD. Well, I'm being arrogant, saying that I was a good FD. But, you know, I, I in the good months, I squirreled a bit away into the balance sheet and provisions that you could justify, you know, as being prudent and so on. And then, you know, if you have a couple of tough months, you just release them, you smooth it. Um, that, so I've I've got real question marks over cars financial controls and of course they had all these problems with the audits and prior adjustments and I think KPMG are being investigated over a previous audit there so I'm I'm just not impressed with cars I think it would take a lot to convince me to invest in that but it's it's not a disaster it's just underwhelming I think um, shares had a big re-rating about 10 years ago but have since gone sideways it's got two divisions now speciality, agriculture and it blamed drought in the USA and higher costs in the UK and um, <clears throat> the engineering division is trading quite well 
can't can't quite well can't really see why those two divisions make a group that makes any sense and i don't understand why they sold one of their other divisions for what seemed like a rather disappointing price but it has moved it into net cash so cars i don't know let me know if you think i'm missing something but i don't see anything particularly exciting there finally capita cpi the big 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 outsourcing company i i, I briefly went positive on this in the spring after watching a management webinar, which bamboozled me into thinking it was wonderful. But I have to say, looking at the H1 results, I wasn't impressed. Uh, I mean, the adjusted figures look all right, but the adjustments are very, very big. And I think what seems to have spooked the market was the shares dropped 13% to only 23 pence. What seems to have caused that is the quite large cost of their previously disclosed cyber security incident, which they're now saying is 20 to 25 million pounds. Pretty hefty, but um, that is also net of expected insurance receipts. So the total cost is even higher. And I do worry, you know, when a big organisation like this that holds the uh, records of millions and millions of, of people gets uh, a, a big a data breach, what could happen in terms of additional costs and liabilities that might not yet be currently provided for. So I'm a little bit wary about Capita, and that balance sheet's horrible. I don't know why I was sanguine about this earlier this year, but when you take off the £600 million intangible assets... Um, net tangible asset value is negative, negative 353 million. But it doesn't have that much debt. Net net interest-bearing debt has reduced a lot. Um, So how does this all stack up? Well, the answer is that it gets upfront payments from its customers. So that's a form of hidden debt, uh, which is 606 million deferred income. Now, uh, creditor, but as I've pointed out, what happens if the if the customers and I think this was would would be the UK government mainly, wouldn't it? Or what happens if they realise that they could be earning interest on that money in their own account? And uh, you know, if you can get four or five percent interest, why would you want to pay your suppliers early and let them uh, get the interest benefit from it? So I don't know. I'm a bit more sceptical about Capita. A little bit underwhelmed. I think it could go either way. Is it a buying opportunity? I just don't know. I know some of my friends are bullish on it, and you know, good luck to them. I think it needs a lot of work, though. It's a special situation, quite complicated. There's a complicated pension scheme that you know is an accounting surplus, a big negative. Um, you know, it seems to be they seem to be putting large amounts into the into the pension fund. I don't know; it's just all too complicated. And on a Friday afternoon, I didn't want to dig that deep, so I've just flagged the issues, and you can do your own research on it. All right, I'm going to wrap it up there. No macro comments this week because I haven't really been focusing on macro very much, and it's all the same, isn't it? High inflation, central banks raising interest rates too much, too fast, risk of recession, blah blah blah. So. <laughs> That's the quick version. Right, I'm going to end it there. Thank you very much for listening and all your comments on Stockopedia. And I will see you next weekend. Bye for now. Bye.